What up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Podcasta, a podcast made by and for people bored as shit. Uh, I'm your host, Ryan, and I'm joined today by Julian. I'm Julian Bian, um, son of my grandfather's son. Nice. <laughs> uh, also, I'm joined by Paul. Hi, I'm Paul. <laughs> eh, good reference. Uh, I'm joined by Emily. Who is Patrick's TA. Nice. It's a great and I'm joined by the, the person whose TA was just mentioned. I always forget to make an intro. What's your name? My name is Patrick. Yeah, that's That works. That's that's it. Sorry, Emily. I'm sorry. I always forget. What, are you going to cry? Please do. Yeah, maybe I'll oh, make it for a good intro, but I what you <laughs> gave. Ooh. Ooh. All right, so uh, as... Uh, you'll, you will have heard in the first uh, new podcast, we have a new format. We're just going to have three topics, uh, give or take, and then we're going to just discuss them and flush them out a little bit and hopefully round out about an hour of talking. So who wants to start? Anyone have a specific desire? Otherwise, I'll call on Julian. Julian, I called on you. Okay, so I wanted to talk about uh, last week... Uh, Excess. That was my idea that I wanted to bring, and I thought it was interesting because I've been sitting in my room all day, every day, and I like I've I've started to like I've been cleaning a lot, and like it, this you know, this started when I was cleaning my room, and I did laundry, and I was putting my shirts away, and I always have the issue is that when I do laundry and I come back, I don't have enough hangers for all the shirts that I have, so and pants and etc. Right, and so I was like. How many fucking, you know, like, how many shirts do I have? I counted. I have upwards of 50 t-shirts. T-shirts. Just, and that's not accounting for pants, underwear, like, sweaters. I have a lot of sweaters, too. And I just have so many. And it's like, I could get through a week and, like, two weeks. Say that you do laundry every two weeks, right? That's only 16 t-shirts. I mean, uh, 14 t-shirts. And like, but I have all these, these things that I never want to throw them out. I never want to get rid of any of them. And then I started looking and I like, and then it's like, I have like, it's just the redundancies that we have in our lives that we just amass by the time we're like 20, whatever. And who knows what's going to happen when we're, you get, you know, more time to just collect shit and not throw it away. And I was thinking, and then, so, and I also like, I have a bunch of guitars and it's like, do I need all of these things? And in some cases, I think you do, which is an interesting aspect of this. But like, do you, like, like I have, it, it, it hinders you. That's what's interesting. It's like, I have these guitars, but I'm like, oh my God, like, wait, wait, I need like this sound, but I can't get it out of mine because I could just get it somewhere else. And so instead of like working with what I have and like fully diving into like, understanding and like getting the full use out of say this is an example of like the range of tones on a guitar it's you don't spend the time to do that because you're like well i don't need what i need is a different one that will do it for me instantly and like i don't know like i so i think that's this is what i and it it applies to like everything in excess of information and excess of like you know with with like the world, like YouTube and videos and all of this stuff and how I feel like it hinders us from like, it should be, this should be a surplus of things that are allow us to accomplish more and like be more efficient, but it ends up doing the opposite of that because it inundates us with choices mm-hmm. like Steve Jobs. Like, okay. Yeah. Sorry. That's a good Any thing. That's a no, great I mean, the thing start. is like, I was wondering, have you ever considered like minimalism? Because some people, some people like dedicate their lives to just being minimalist. You think I'm too much of a coward? He like sold all his houses. He's like selling all his belongings. Yeah, because then you, because then it's like you have to appreciate exactly. what it is you do have for what it is. Mm-hmm. I like Steve Jobs only ever wore like a turtleneck and jeans, and he was like, "There's too many decisions in the morning. Like I can't decide what I want to wear. If I just do this, I'll like free up my mental space." <laughs> You know, this might seem irrelevant at first, but it's it's pretty relevant, I think. 
like they there's the phrase reduce, reuse, recycle. But recycling people like love recycling. They're like you got oh my god, like the big difference of make putting something in a recycling bin versus a trash bin. But it's really not that big of a difference because recycling it still has to be transported to wherever it's going, just like trash, and then it gets reprocessed and like broken down and then put back out as whatever it is. The only energy it saves is the transportation of the raw materials to the initial processing plant. So it's just, it's saving like a very little amount of energy. So it's only helping the environment so much. Whereas reusing is even better because you're cutting out the part where it gets transported out, reprocessed, and transported back. So it's already like several times better than recycling. And then reducing is the best because you cut out everything. It's like recycling is dozens and dozens of times less effective than just reducing than not using it at all. And so that's why the phrase is reduce, reuse, recycle, because that's supposed to be the priority order. If you can't reduce, then reuse. And if you can't reuse, then recycle. And if you can't recycle, then find a way to stop using that product altogether, replace it with something else that you can do one of those things with. But I feel like everybody gets so stuck on recycling, which is kind of a different point, but... Because it's, it's easier. That's why yeah, it, it is. Because it's, it's easier than reusing and it's easier than reducing. And it's easy to say that you're doing something like mm-hmm. for the cause when you're kind of just doing the bare It's minimum. the least amount of work yeah. to, to get, help yourself sleep at night. Yeah, to be able to tell that, oh, I'm a, yeah. you know, eco-conscious. But what you said about Yeah, because I'm just wondering you personally, I mean, have you made any... Yeah. Like, I think like in that because that's that's reducing. That's like the definition yeah. of it, right? Yeah. And I mean, you're gonna throw all your stuff away or do whatever with it. But I like I've always thought because I I like the idea of it of like because re- because it is like when I have when you when you're forced to like pick like you you pick the things that you actually you know Marie Kondo. Have you ever heard of Marie yes. Kondo? Oh so my she's God. this chick that like she's chick. She's this. She wrote a book and it, she basically does this thing where she. She's a minimalist, or whatever it is. But she, like, she goes through, like, her book goes through and is like... Does this make you feel joy? If you look at something and it doesn't make you feel joy, then throw it away. No. And it's like, and and so I like these ideas, and I think that, like, you have to work up to doing that kind of thing. Which you haven't yet. No, which I definitely haven't. Because when I look at myself, I'm like, I have this thought, and I'm like, I have way too many of these. Too many that I can't even hang up all my shirts. You know, like that's too many when you can't even like store it all. But it's like at the back of my mind, it's like I should get rid of this stuff, but I can't get rid of this stuff because what if I, what if I, I you know, because one day I'll, I, there'll be a time when I need to wear that and I won't have it and I'll hate myself. I overpack you know? every vacation. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Because I'm like, well, if I go to the beach twice instead of once every day, then I need extra underwear. Or I'm like, well, let me bring six extra video games that I think I'll play with my mm-hmm. family. Exactly. But I actually still haven't opened them. And then you, and then you're there, and you're like. Playing one video game, you're like, well, I better have having more fun with this video game, and then you and then you don't spend the time just like <laughs> if you're you forget why you're even playing video games in the first place to like relax or to do whatever, and then you're spending all of your time like scheduling it out. Yeah, scheduling and like debating, and it's like, well, what if what if I was having more fun doing this, or what if this was better than what I'm doing now? Like spontaneous relaxation relaxation time is great. But when you try to plan out relaxation time, and then you get to that time, and you're like, I'm not relaxing hard enough. Exactly. I'm wasting my relaxation time. Yeah, like, because there's too much horrible. choice, which is like a weird thing. Yeah, that is strange, because too many choices does overwhelm your brain. There have been studies done where, like, they give them, they'll give people, like, a choice of two different flavors of, like, a jelly bean or something. They'll pick one, and they'll be like, yeah, I'm happy with my choice. And they have another one where they give them all of these choices, like, 20 yeah. choices, and they're only allowed to pick one, and most people aren't satisfied with yeah, the choice. Yeah, exactly. And I think that more choices would be good for us, but it actually tends to make your brain disappointed. In yeah. Because there's more to compare to. Yeah. More of, like, what could have been. Yeah. Um, honestly, I think I have you beat with the number of shirts. Like, and it, it's mostly because my mom will just think I don't have enough shirts and oh, really? inundate me with more shirts <laughs> from the closet that I had from my high school years yeah. that just like still fit. Um, so my my tiny closet is just like, my shirts don't fit anymore. They're just like permanently there. <laughs> and I have to take out like all the shirts if I want to take out one and then like fit them all back in perfectly like a puzzle. Yeah. Um, 
But I have so many shirts I started wearing shirts. That's interesting, because I'm like on the idea of like of reducing and you know, recycling and people think it's such a good thing. There was I, I have watched um, I think it was an episode of Patriot Act with Hassan Minaj, but he did this one thing on like what it takes like fast he did it on fast fashion. And how, like, these days, like, H&M, stores like H&M, and everyone's moving towards, like, fast fashion where they can just, like, hop on a trend, produce a bunch of clothes, and then, like, get it to you. And so there used to be, like, seasons Mm -hmm. where it would be, like, a very meticulous planned out release a couple times a year versus, like, a couple times a month. Mm -hmm. And, like, that is creating, like, just, like, you know, that all goes, because then people don't wear it as long because it goes out of style Mm -hmm. or whatever, and then they throw it out. Or they put it in a thrift store or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then it leads to this cycle of, like, overproduction and yeah. waste. And then it's, like, the best thing you can do is, like, go to... Because there's, like, some, like, you work it out of, like, if you wear a shirt this many times, that means you're getting the value out of it. Well, whatever. I was going to say, it, it must be profitable if they're... It's even, profitable even, for them, yeah, but not for the Even environment. though they're making too much, they're yeah. still getting what they want yeah. out of it, so... But, like, so they say, like, the best thing you can do is, like, go to a thrift store. And, like, if you... So, like... It's not the worst, because I like shirts. I like clothes a lot. So it's like, you know, and this is where it's an interesting, like, I, like where it can be bad. And it, like, I like shirts a lot, and I've started going to... I, whenever I buy shirts, I don't buy shirts wholesale ever anymore. And it's partially has to do with, like, I just like the style of, like, random shirts at thrift stores. So now you can, like, feel a little better about, like... I can feel a little better about going to the thrift store and buying a bunch of random shirts, because I'm like, oh, well... I'm not, like, contributing to this whole, like, I, I'm, like, getting the use out of these that they should be getting out of. Yeah. The thing is, do you like, ever look at your closet realistically and say, I haven't worn this shirt in maybe never, two years. Never. So never. I'm going to get rid of it. Not even. But the thing is, like, why not? Oh, if I see a shirt like I might that, need to wear, I, because I might want to wear it later. Yeah. Like, it's an irrational thought. It's if an I, irrational If I see a shirt that I haven't worn in a long time, I'm like, today's the day. Like, I'm going to wear that shirt. That's why I, I wear that Hawaiian shirt all the time, because I didn't wear it for years, and then I found it, and I was like, dude, this shirt is so soft. And now I wear it all the time. But it probably just replaced another shirt that you were wearing in its place yeah. that's now in your closet. Mm-hmm. That, you that someday I'll realize the error of my ways. Because oh, what, what you were saying about the thrift store... Like, on the reduce, reuse, recycle scale, you hit reuse because you're taking what somebody else threw out and making it your own. And that's basically the best you can get with clothes because you can't reduce because you're yeah. just... You can uh, reduce, I'm not going to wear a shirt today. You can like, reduce... Buy, like, I'm reducing my buy, like my purchasing and yeah. contributing to the Yeah. Yeah. Because there's always that one... Because it, 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 like... And it's an irrational thought. It's irrational because it's like, because at the end of the day, I also, because there's only a certain, a select few, because I have this huge wardrobe, right. but then I only really wear exactly the, like, if I were to downsize to like 14 shirts, I only really wear 14 of them. Mm-hmm. But there's like, because those are the ones, because you wear things that make you feel good. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, well, I don't, because I have all the other ones, I'm like, well, I'll have them for, like, I don't want to wear these unless it's a really special occasion. So I'll wear these other shitty ones when I'm like going to bed or whatever. But then there's that one time where it really, it does work out where you're like, you have this shirt from wherever, or this, this sweater, and then like three years later, style changes, your taste changes, whatever it is you grow, you get like your mm-hmm. body changes, and then you put it on and you're like, oh, this is great. Like, I'm so glad I saved it and didn't touch it for three years. So that must mean it's the same thing with everything in my closet. Yeah. that's yeah. But that's not why you kept it. You weren't expecting that to happen, you know? Well, you were hoping. You're rationally, or for me, it's like you're like... Well, it's always that, like, what if? I can't throw this shirt away. I don't wear because, it. Ever. Because one out of a hundred shirts, it finally paid off. You're like, well, now who's to say exactly. it won't happen for the other news? Yeah. And it's irrational. Because I think it, we, it, like, this choice, this, like, level of, um, of, of, um, yeah, like, all the choices we have, it is doing a disservice to us. And it makes, it not only does it make it, like, we're not as happy with our choices, like in the jelly bean thing, it makes it so like we are, we don't have to face making decisions. We can put it off. When we have all these choices, it's like you can choose the easiest of all of them. And then you never, I never have to make the decision of getting rid of a shirt or, uh, you know, and it's like the shirt is a very um, inconsequential in the grand scheme of things example, but it, it radiates out and applies to, a lot of the important things we have to do in us not being able to make decisions. Like we should, cause like now it, it becomes like, like shirts, clothes are just this like, 
you know, it, we don't appreciate what it, we can't appreciate what it takes to make a shirt to wear, but it takes, and cause now it's mass produced and all, you know, mm-hmm. but so like we don't appreciate it. And that's, that going back to the minimum, like the minimalism thing, it's like, it forces you to appreciate the things that you have. And when I have 50 shirts, just the nature of it is that I'm not going to appreciate it as much mm-hmm. because it's, it's whatever. It's a shirt. I can buy 50 of them, but it's like, that's not a healthy mind or it's not a good mindset to be in. Cause then you lose appreciation for things when things come too easily. I don't know. This is kind of reminding me of like hoarders. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Like, could you ever make a hoarder a minimalist? We're just socially acceptable like, hoarders. Yeah, really. <laughs> Everybody is only Everybody's a socially acceptable hoarder. <laughs> Everybody's a hoarder. And the hoarders hoarders are like... That's a good question. Real bad. Dude, it's like in a video game when you save up all like the resources and like, yeah. the health potions because you're like, you oh, see it I'm everywhere. Need them. Yeah. It, it oh, happens in video games. It happens Dude, everywhere. Breath yeah. of the Wild, you're like, I'm yeah. gonna need these for the final boss, and you beat the game. You're like, you never end up oh, using. Them. Didn't need any of it. Yeah, but I could have used shield. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But do you think? I feel like there's a potential danger for like going too far in the other direction, whereas you feel like there's an inherent guilt with having anything that you have just because you want it rather than you need it. Because I feel like if you strip down your entire wardrobe, your your food options, your yeah. you know video games you have or whatever, whatever that you're purchasing and you're only saying, I'm getting things that I need, then yeah. I feel like you're restricting your like well-being yeah. Yeah. because it, there obviously is excess. The, the number of shirts I have in my closet is unnecessary and in a lot of ways, like, harmful to, like, how I process things, but there also needs to be, a, like, a, a an in-between. Like, there's, if this is never so black and white, because I think people you know, I need think to have that, some things that they just truly enjoy and make them happy. Yeah, and it's not, and that's, because that's the other end of it, right? But I think there's the healthy medium, because it, in, in something I do, and I, I'm going to use a guitar example, again, because I play guitar a lot, and I, like, that's why I spend a lot of my time. I watch videos on guitars. So it's, you know, it's a hobby that you're passionate about. Yeah. And it, it, guitar is just what it is. It's just a fill-in for whatever anybody's passionate about. So when I, like, Steve Vai is an insane guitarist. Um, and he, I, I was just watching this video earlier of his guitar collection. And he has walls filled with guitars. He has, like, probably mm-hmm. dozens, if not, like, hundreds Probably not hundreds of it, but like so many. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but he's like, you know, I use this one for this and I use this one for this and this one specifically for this when I want to make this kind of sound. And that's what's interesting because guitars, each guitar is different and the tone they produce is different and what you can do with them is different. And it's one of those things where it's like when you go down the rabbit hole of like anything, uh-huh. you understand it and appreciate it more. That's what, that's what it comes down to, I think, is appreciation. So like, I have, I want more guitars and I want, and then it gets into amps and pedals and it's all, and then it comes accessories and excess. But, but if you have an appreciation for the thing, then I think that it can be, you don't have to just say, I need to have one. Mm -hmm. You, if you have an appreciation and an understanding of why I'm going to have this extra, why I'm going to get one more, why. Then it's who are you justifying it to though yourself or other people? It's yourself. It has yourself. to be. Yourself. It has to be yourself. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I highly resonate with that because, like Ryan was saying, I mean, I kind of grew up in like a minimalist mindset. So I mean, you know, I go to the store and I'm like, oh, okay, well, there's like this one shirt. I'm like, do I need this one shirt? Mm-hmm. I have like five others. So do you always no. feel guilt picking something that is just because you want it? Yeah. Yeah, and I find that in like mul- like multiple different aspects of my life. Mm-hmm. But I think going back to the Marie Kondo point, which is like in addition to the appreciation, you have to have like you have to say like, does this bring me joy? Yeah, exactly. And it's like yes, it does. Okay, like I can have it. Like mm-hmm. it's okay, you know, kind of like yeah. eliminating the guilt from that. And I think you have to get to a certain age before you can like no like high school or middle school is gonna like oh, I, like, see the value in becoming a minimalist because you don't have a you don't have enough experience to do yeah. that. Once you get to, like, mid-20s, like, and I assume, like, once you get older and older, you, like, you don't take as many things for granted. You have, like, the way you see things and are able to appreciate things grows. And then, especially if you're, you're in a position early on to, like, amass this wardrobe or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and you get it all, and then you're just, like, overwhelmed by it, that's when you can start to, like, say, like, okay... Maybe this is too much and maybe I need to scale back. And 
look for what I appreciate. Because you so when like, are you going to do that? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe hey. not mid twenties yet. So no. If you, if you I don't know. put it in the world now, like just, now he's voiced yeah. it out loud. Like now yeah. he has some. He might have some mm-hmm. sense of responsibility. Have, and I think this is like the first steps to that because it's something that because I've done it in some facets of my life, and it like like if I my desk, it, I think it like is the same kind of concept when like I have so much shit on my desk and I can't do any work because I just have so much shit there. Yeah. And then I like I was like I'm I like. I just took it off. I was like, I don't use this. I'm like, I need my pencil case right here. Or I need my whatever it is right here because I'll need it. And then I never need it. And then finally I was just like, all right, let me just take it all off. And if I need it, I'll just get it from the other side of my room and put it back. And then I never needed it. And then my desk is cleaner and I can work more efficiently. And like, it's, so I think you need to, it's like you need to, for at least to an extent, like take it for granted before you can appreciate things for what they are. Mm-hmm. You know? Good shit, man. I said that was a good start. Is that good end to a good start? 15 minutes on the dot. Uh, I think it was a little bit over, but like, you well, know, excess, right? Yeah. We're just going to cut that last, the last couple of <laughs> Yeah. And no, anytime Julian was speaking, we'll just like mute. <laughs> and then we'll just respond An excess of words. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you had a word limit. You got a bad habit of that, Julian. <laughs> now... Yeah, Emily, I hear you might have a topic that could oh, no. generate some friendly discussion. Um, I guess. I don't know. I just kind of wanted to hear other people's opinions because no one I know really talks about this. So basically, um, Star Trek. Any thoughts? Okay. Good start. Like, like so Star just, just general, general thoughts. thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, just like first thing that comes cool. to mind. It's pretty cool. I okay. do like it. <laughs> and you you were gonna say before was, about yeah, the yeah, about yeah. the new movies. So like elaborate on that. I watched the new movies. Uh-huh. I remember what because Star Trek isn't it's a big phenomenon. I think what's interesting is about it is like Star Wars is like movies. Yeah. And Star Trek had a lot of movies, but like I feel like the like T V was like where it lived, and that's why it could differentiate from Star Wars. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. So I didn't really, and it was older, and I know there's new stuff now, but mm-hmm. like CBS, but I uh, watched no. CBS. Yeah, no. But, um, so I've seen the, the new movies, and I liked them a lot. The Chris Pine, I love Chris Pine. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. had that gay guy from... Zachary Quinto. Zachary, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great. Him, actually. Oh, you did? Whoa. Oh my god, yeah. really. Um, is there even that that Asian guy, Henry or something? Uh, John. John uh, Chu, maybe. Jonathan Chu, Chu. But like he, yeah. like they had a. G- oh, and yeah. the and the the Irish guy. Oh, Simon was, Pegg. Yes, I, I love. Yeah. Simon oh, Pegg. oh yeah. yeah. So they had a it had a good cast. It was mm-hmm. like it was a great like I thought it, I thought it was really like they were like fun movies to watch and I love Simon. Yeah, Pegg. yeah. See, I think my point is like they're not necessarily supposed to be fun. Like, the main purpose of the original TV show was to be more cerebral than anything and, like, mm. really highlight, like, social and political messages mm. and, like, and incorporate science and, like, the future of science into it than, like, just be fun or, like, yeah. action based. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it more so kind of went into, like, Star Wars territory than, like, all right, let's address these issues than, like, let's just, like, make this fun and, like, <laughs> yeah. act like, you I don't know. what the problem is? I think it's that... If they can, if they consistently cater just to the audience yeah. that it was originally made for, they're not going to be able to grow. No. Even if they stick to their guns, yeah. like you have to cater to like the what the mass audience yeah. likes to watch. Because yeah. if they make a yeah. artistic integrity, yeah. and if they make an actiony more movie, you're still going to see it because you're a true fan of the original crap. Yeah. But then they'll also get twice as many people to see it right. that bleed into the other yeah. one, you know? And, I mean, in the 60s, the original show wasn't a hit at all. Yeah. Like, you know, it was completely it was dry. A and kind of thing. Yeah, and it only, you know, was rejuvenated, like, I don't know, a few years later because people were like, oh, wait, this is actually good. But it was too cerebral yeah. for people to actually Because yeah. the point of it is that, like, because the whole idea is that it's, like, we're going places. Yeah. I'm going to butcher it, but, like... We're like going to new frontiers. We're like, mm-hmm. and then so they and the, and exploring and I for, there's like they say it at the beginning. Um, it's like, uh, uh, like the mission of the Star Trek is to um, explore new worlds, uh, seek out new life and new civilizations, and to boldly go where no man is going. For. Yeah, and they hey, use hey, it to yeah. like. T- like what you were talking about, like touching, like they used the like the setting. Of space and these new places to explore those, and that's what we're talking about it being mm. cerebral. Yeah. They explored a lot of interesting concepts mm. that, like, were just made plain and simple by, like, oh, we're going to a new planet where, like, this is happening, and then, mm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
So, I don't know, I just wasn't sure if people, you know. Well, what do you think about, because you said it's exploring the future of science. Right. But what do you think about the idea of, like, the future of science when you predict, in a sense, what's going to happen? Because not everything is, like, nearly as accurate as people may, like, mm-hmm. make it out to be. Right. You know, people say, ah, oh, you know, by whatever year we'll have flying cars. We'll, well I don't think it's meant to be, like, this is definitively what's going to happen. I think it's more so, like, let's kind of explore the possibilities mm-hmm. and take science fact that was known at that time in the 60s and say, well, this is, maybe this can be done in the future and kind of, like, open up people's minds to, like, the possibilities so it's, so instead it's, of it's instead of it being like an actual prediction or like we're gonna do this like this is the future like instead of it being accurate just more so being like we can think about these things that could potentially happen like sort of more creative you don't have to fully suspend your disbelief because in some like some possible future this this could happen it's not like entirely fantastical where you're like I know none of this, none of this mm-hmm. will happen, so I'm just going to enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, that's, I mean, like, that's the cerebral part of it. Uh, the, I mean, the thing is, I don't know if anyone's heard of like Isaac and Nisimov. I don't know if Asimov. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So he was consulted. Like, was he an astrophysicist or? I don't know. I, I only know of him through his short stories. Okay, but yeah, so like he was an actual scientist, and he consulted on the like making the script for Star Trek because they wanted to make sure that like they weren't. Going in, like, you know, Star Wars is low-key, like, that just yeah, it's, is not, like... Yeah, it's fantasy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they wanted to, like, kind of craft it in reality, so it's like, this is feasible. Mm. Obviously, like, not now and, like, not even, like, in the near future, but, like, theoretically, like, you know, it could happen. So it's just it's just more so scientifically accurate. Yeah. You know, so it's less fiction-based, so... Is that what draws you to it? Yeah. If you're the Martian, so. this is a quick... <gasps> He's not a Martian! What? No, have you read The Martian? Oh, oh, but I thought you were talking about Spock, and oh. I was like, Hold <laughs> Is that a conspiracy theory that he's a Martian? No, he's half, oh. he's half Vulcan. Wait, before we move on to The Martian, I just wanted to say... So we don't have to move on to it, but I just wanted to know. <laughs> I, that is, wow. I would love to move on to The Martian. Oh, oh. But, well, not the like movie, this. Or... Well, wait, I wanted to say, the reason I asked that question is because I have pretty strong opinions towards the, like, the oh, portrayal of, like, the... Opinions. the the portrayal of, like, the future of uh, science and technology mm-hmm. and how when it gets popularized, it actually shifts the direction of what actual scientific research is going towards and it towards, like, these pipe dreams. Like, Can you if give an example? If you've seen, like, I'm sure a lot of people have seen the Hacksmith Industries lightsaber that they just made. I did too, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's insane. It looks like a lightsaber. It cuts through it steel doors like, like a lightsaber. It talks. It, it, it smells like a lightsaber. Like uh, but it's so pointless. I'm like, why would anybody make this extremely expensive, inefficient device that is very possibly dangerous to hurt yourself with? And very limited in use. I mean, in the movies, like, you know, let's mm. use versatile. This, it's like, takes them 20, 30 minutes to, like, cut through a steel door. It cuts through a steel door. It's pretty impressive. But at the same time, it's all just to fulfill this pipe dream that this stuff that was not based in mm. science could be real through science. And I think it's misdirected. Mm. So. I think they could have spent that time doing something else with the. You could probably make a much more effective tool for cutting through steel doors that doesn't look like that, then to make that, which is essentially a completely useless tool. Yeah. Just for show. Who would understand? It's a more civilized weapon for a more civilized time. <laughs> You're right. Back in my <laughs> day, we had lightsabers. Wait, what were you saying about the Martian? Uh, I just want... I, I was like, I only brought that up because, like, you talking about science fiction in, like, through the lens of, like, like reality... And like, there's like it's it's like a science fiction novel. It's like Andy Weir <coughs> um, is the author, and it's just like I think you you may, maybe you'd like it because it's the whole point was that it was like it's like this guy gets stuck on Mars, and then they have to get him home, and that's the whole plot of it. And but it's like the whole point was that they like made it as accurate as possible mm-hmm. to real like what would real so like I like because it's a movie and a book. Yeah. I started reading it and like half the fucking text is just like jargon. Right. Like, because it's really okay. real. And they, yeah. they drive it home. But, okay. But that's just in the same vein. Yeah. yeah. I want to go back to your point. Uh-oh. Yes. Um, so, 
Have you, you know, regarding the lightsaber and all that, so, Star Trek, you know what a phaser is? You know, they use the little phasers, and they're all mm-hmm. like, woo-woo. To stun, baby. <laughs> no, to kill. Set it's always to kill. No, well, they always said stun. No, I know. Phasers to kill. No, 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 um... Set phasers to phase. <laughs> so, have, have you ever, like, seen someone try to develop a phaser at all? No. As a result of Star Trek? I don't think so, but that's probably because Have you ever seen anyone succeed. try to make a beaming pad? Yeah, your argument can... is dog shit, Patrick. I bet, <laughs> I bet somebody That was my topic, tried. come on. I bet people but have that, tried, but we don't, the main goal. we don't hear about it because they don't succeed. And if they did succeed, we would hear about it. But at the same time, you're saying that this is supposed to advance research, or this is supposed to influence research at all, but... You know, if, if there are no... I see what his point is, though. It, it definitely happens. Like, I'm sure right. everybody will have that passion, right. and they'll spend their time doing that. Hypothetically. But then, that would mean no one... The solution to that would be no one does anything based on something that they're passionate about. And, like, that... that it just It's too far. I think at the, the same direction. time, I'm just going to bring it home full circle mm-hmm. and say that the origination of Star Trek was put in space, like, that was a location, time period was the 60s, and it was mainly to address social and political issues in mm-hmm. kind of, like, scientific context. So the main point was not to, like, be more, like, fantasy or, like, mm-hmm. science like, whatever. It was to address, like, 60s issues. Because they could do it through a lens that exactly. wasn't... It was it wasn't, space, yeah, so yeah, yeah, nobody yeah. could say, oh, this is offensive. It was, like, a Because yeah. it's literally, like, yeah. aliens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's a cool reason for the show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you were talking about like the Martian book being good. This is kind of a different topic. But, of course. Um, is this your topic? No, no, but I was saying like, you said you brought it all home. But I did want to say, because you brought up the Martian book, but I saw the movie and I thought the movie was a good movie. movie. Yeah. And it reminded me of, um, I read World War Z by Max Brooks. I, I never, saw the, never saw the movie. I heard the movie was dog shit. But the book it took like the same approach of like, they're like, what if the zombie apocalypse was real? Like, what would be happening? Outside, and so it was basically just a collection of short stories of like realistic scenarios in various countries, how different countries handle mm-hmm. it, and like what plans were like effective. And so I really liked that book because it did get that it hit that point of it feels more real than when you see like a television show like The Walking Dead or something like that, mm-hmm. where it, it's kind of like real because it's like real people or in real scenarios is what they're yeah. pitching. But the World War Z, the book at least, not the movie. Uh, which was a thriller, uh, a it was fine. I an analysis it. in a sense. Sure, it wasn't. As good as uh, but it, it only followed like the one story. Yeah, I'm sure it was not as good as the book. The book was like really good because it just looked at all these different scenarios. Um, really well, you know, that's actually the same thing that draws me towards The Last of Us, like the video game series. That's like one of my favorite games for the sake that it it's a a concept that uh, has some like sci-fi elements, but it's also rooted in, like, how the world might actually behave in that situation. And, like, they'll, if you spend enough time getting collectibles and, like, walking around the scenery in the, the world, you can find, like, a note from a husband to a wife when the outbreak hit, and it'd be like, you know, hopefully I'll see you again, and then you, like, ponder, did they get to see each other again? And then sometimes there'll just be a bunch of stories that you can kind of weave together. You'll meet people on your way that have their own life path. So it's kind of cool, because those kinds of things make it somehow relatable to you because they're, they're humans. So like what they're feeling and how they would be acting is how you would be acting if you were in that situation. So those kinds of things I really like. So I think it like what's interesting because in like Star Trek talking about the new movies and like in like the World War Z thriller, what's interesting is that like there's different ways to tell a story and there's a, like a lot of merit in like real it like it's a it's an interesting and novel concept <laughs> to tell a story through like because all stories are like you know they take liberties and it's like okay like oh well, that's ridiculous and then like at a certain point it gets so like exacerbated it's like that's bold you see a movie that's done poorly and it's like that's fucking stupid and it would never happen and then someone's like i'm gonna make a movie that's fucking real like you know right you know and it didn't end up in the movies usually because that's pop more pop culture but like in a novel like world war z it's like real, like and in, in, in the Martian too. Like they look at it through the lens of like, if this were to actually happen, and building on this concept, how would it really work? And like, 
And that is like a, that's a really cool way to tell a story because it really can like pull you into because it's because it's real. But I think that like like the the Star Trek movies, I like them a lot, and they definitely lean towards. I mean, they're not exploring the same concepts or anything. They're action thriller movies, but like I enjoyed them, and I enjoy like the last of us. It's like because they're what's I love it that it's it's a it's. Uh, it's like it's it, if a story can do its job and tell you something about the human condition exactly. or whatever it yeah. is mm-hmm. and like carry you with a narrative because mm-hmm. that's what people just yeah. can on a deep level like latch onto and that's why those are the stories not the realistic ones yeah and so I think that's I think that's really cool and I don't remember why I sort of make this point but well, I think it's just like yeah. But yeah, yeah. Anything that has like an underlying like message that just can resonate with you, I think, is more impactful than anything, especially if it's delivered like well. Yeah. So, but because the whole thing with Spock is like he's half human, half Vulcan, and so like the Vulcans, you know, are completely like anti-emotion, and he's like, "But I'm half human, so I do feel emotion." And he falls in love, and it's like, "What is love?" And then at the same time, is love, and then he writes song with Spock. So it's like, it's yeah, it's just I don't know. I just it's cool because it like like that like and that's I think that's why Star Trek is such a big you know that's part of the like the characters of it and Spock and that mm-hmm. struggle it's such it's something that people can resonate with exactly. and, and you can explore this concept of love on a deeper level through this fantastical like this guy's half no emotion like this you just like suspend your disbelief you're mm-hmm. like that's what their race is because that's yeah. what it is and then he's yeah. human and that's an interesting mm-hmm. yeah. yeah but the basis of it is like something that we can all relate with exactly like emotion or no emotion mm-hmm. in a certain situation and that's just one instance but they use a fanatical uh like lens to mm-hmm. explore those kinds of yeah. definitely real concepts that's, that's mm-hmm. a good good topic to bring up this stuff Alright, so I have this little intermission portion that I've labeled, write that down. So, Don't get your imaginary right, imaginary notebooks out. Um, so I have some fun facts. Fucking real notebooks out, unless you're a coward. True. Did you know, on this day in 1901, the first barrel ride down Niagara Falls happened. What is this day? It was also that man's last barrel ride. Down oh, down no, they lived. Falls. A 63-year-old school teacher named Annie Edson Taylor... Uh, six, was the first person to successfully take the plunge. I should maybe I should have said successfully. Oh no! After her husband died in the Civil War, uh, she moved all the, all over the U.S. before settling in Bay City, Michigan, in 1898. Uh, three years later, in 1901, while reading an article about the Pan Am Exposition in Buffalo, she learned about the popularity of two waterfalls. Uh, you know. Niagara, Niagara Falls. And Falls. Niagara and Niagara. Niagara Falls and Falls Falls. <laughs> um, she was seeking fame and was strapped for cash, so was hoping mm-hmm. that this would be an attention-seeking stunt. Uh, so she successfully did it. Was battered a little bit afterwards, and uh, about a couple days after her excursion, she wasn't like popular anymore. Like at the time. Yeah. She was like, sweet, look at all this money I'm going to make. First, Stop making that money. she was physically battered. Then she was emotionally a- battered. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't take too much to get into history. Like, yeah. you had to put... I, I, I'm, I'm talking about them right, right now, so in a way. But like, you think she's making royalties on the podcast? <laughs> yeah, I mean, history is pretty extensive. It's literally anything that ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> as long as somebody remembers it. Yeah, but if it's on history.com, then... Kind of legit, you know. <laughs> like, how do I make? I mean, they got the domain. Archive.com is the real history.com. <laughs> so history.com is the poor man's history.com. Have you ever archived history.com? Archive.history.com. So, Annie, if you're listening out there, she's wherever not, you are, I she's completely deceived. If she was married before the Civil War and her husband died in that, she's not alive. You think she's she took? You think she took, you think she took? A barrel ride to, to heaven or hell, or neither, because they don't ground. exist. Oh. The ground. Oh, uh, yeah, she's yeah. dead though. Yeah, no, yeah, she's, she's dead. She really? Wait, do you think they buried her in a barrel? Are you sure she's? Well, dead? now we gotta talk yes. about that. It's been what happens it's been when you die? Stop! No, oh, that's not what I'm trying to open. Right, that's next so, week oh. we're gonna talk about what you happens. Wanna, well, I gotta you wanna find out, Julian. What? I said you wanna find out. Wanna find out? Let's go. Let's do some experiments. Oh. All right. Ow! Oh, what's happening? You're supposed to find out! Uh, Did you also know, on this day in 1929, 
a record 12,894,650 stock shares were traded, which began the stock market crash. And also the Great Depression. Wow, that kind of put a damper on the move. Yeah. Dude, Pokemon card trading was just prepping the Wall Street bankers when they were kids to trade their stocks. Let's be real. Pokemon is running the country. Like cool. This. As long as we're being real. It's- <laughs> <laughs> They're, they're indoctrinated kids into the trading culture. Yeah. And then once they trade too much, the economy. I'm going to do this thing where I keep talking to interrupt you and start next time. I love that. <laughs> uh, so here are some of my favorite observances uh, of October that I uh, discovered. Did you know that October has uh, National Clean Your Virtual Desktop Day? Huh. Which was kind of weird considering the situation we're in. But it exists. I did that once and it destroyed my laptop when I started spraying the cleaning on it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, think you, I think you did that wrong. Yeah. What? Did you know the next day is natural? You're an idiot. What are these days? <laughs> what are these the days? He celebrates that day every day. Yeah. No flipping way. National, you shouldn't have sprayed your computer. <laughs> uh... National, about, here's also, I like the idea of telling a story in national holidays. <laughs> national Clean Your Desktop Day. National Morning Day for all the people who spray. There's like a story arc. Boxing Day kind of do that, right? <laughs> what is Boxing Day? Is that just like where you make presents? No, you like, throw away all the boxes from Christmas. Oh. What? No, I thought it had to do with like the sport of boxing. Oh, no. I thought it was you rebox the presents <laughs> you didn't want and they were going to get. And you send them back you to, send them to a boxer. Fuck <laughs> off, Santa. <laughs> Yo, because I thought like the purpose of boxing was to like wrap boxes for presents no, no, for Christmas. No. Unless Boxing well, Day happens the day after Christmas. No, December twenty sixth is, is National Returns Day. Hope you brought the receipt. National that's, Hope you brought the receipt. It's gotta, that's it's the gotta, day when there's so the most returns to the store. <laughs> um, there's also National Hagfish Day, which Ooh. I looked up what a hagfish was. It's oh. apparently this like, is that, like slug. No, it's like a slug like uh, creature. That uh, cleans up like debris and shit on the ocean floor. Good on it. Oh, and yes. the entire purpose of the day is to like highlight things that are ugly on the outside but useful and pretty oh, on yes. the inside. Reusing. <laughs> to this one goes out to all the slag-like creatures out there. Finally, <laughs> a day for me. Slug-like. Did I say slag-like? <laughs> slag, slug. What's the difference? Get clean in that ocean floor. This one's a good one. National Make a Dog's Day. Oh, oh. Uh, they're pretty wholesome. You like dogs so nice. fucking? Patrick, what the fuck is like? This is a National Make a Dog Day, and you're gonna make this about you. And they're making a dog. No, <laughs> make dogs. a dog's day. <laughs> not a date. <laughs> not like create uh, a dog. Don't fuck a dog. I thought you said make a dog a day. Oh, no, meet a dog's day. So I was like, oh, like dogs making dogs. Wait, so like we, don't, we a, don't observe it? It's the dogs that are I guess No, we observe the dogs. I think you need fun. to make a new friend. Why you do you think make they, a new make a dog? Why do you think they wrote the song Who Let the Dogs Out? It was for this day. Uh National iPod Day, which is pretty topical. That must have been like, made in the mid two thousands. That must have never recreated. Yeah. I wonder what somebody didn't create. Do they still make iPods? Or do they not make iPods? What was that, Patrick? I gotta say, nothing more. I just want an iPod shuffle. How simple it would be to put all that music onto one small device and be able to carry that around and not use up my cell phone's battery to listen to music? That's because so you expensive. Use, you use your hearing. Okay, Steve. <laughs> they, they, it uses my phone battery. But I don't... They're so expensive because they don't make them anymore. It's like hundreds of dollars for an iPod shuffle. Really? And I'm like, I regret. I took advantage. Of I remember having an iPod. And it was great. I loved every minute of it. And this is like the excess thing. Uh, don't d- did you guys have iPods? Yeah, but I had an iPad Nano. Oh, did you? I had an MP3. Mm-hmm. I love. It was oh, like a joy when you used it because technology was still something you didn't take for granted. Yeah, dude, it was oh, like I played solitaire. Look at all this time. music and solitaire. Yes, oh, on the iPod. Oh, dude, my sister had, had a red solitaire. iPod oh, Nano because she like donated blood to get it, but I was too young to donate blood. She rubbed it in my face <laughs> all the time. She was like, <laughs> "Mine's red." You know, I'm a good person. How come you don't have a red iPod Nano? And I'm like, because I'm too young. No, it's because you're not a good person. <laughs> wow. That's not what she said, but that's what I felt. Did you become an organ donor despite her? I am an organ donor. <laughs> Are you going to donate your body to science? No. For an iPod? I, I, I'm going to donate my body so some idiot in the lab can try and make a phaser, all right? <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if I wish that would be done with my body. If I, if I say what I want to happen to my body when I die, it would derail this conversation. Yeah. Um, what's the next, what's the next no. fucking point? 
You ever play? You ever play solitaire in an iPod shuffle? I have. I don't think I have. The, the joke is it has no screen, so. Oh, I'm not shuffle. <laughs> you're just like you just, you just you're, you're feeling for it. It's like picking a lock. You just shuffle the deck over and over. <laughs> <laughs> just let this game to start. Um, also, National Nut Day. Um, define. I don't need to. Or dry nut. Is it like? It's the league. Use it's, your imagination. But I, I'm gonna go with we busting the. It's yeah. the league. National. <laughs> wait, actually, in parentheses, national. We busting the nut day. National bust a legume day. You ever bust a fat legume? <laughs> you know, drop a five star review on Apple Podcasts if you've ever busted a five star legume. <laughs> <laughs> uh, National Kraut Sandwich Week Ooh, is in October. Oh, they get a whole week. Yeah. Oh, we'll get a whole that. lot of sauerkraut. It's good for your gut flora, though. So. Good for your kraut. Dude, all you no, can eat no. for a week. You don't have a kraut. For a whole week, that's all you can eat. You know what else gets a full week? Lentils. <gasps> Lentil really? week? No. no. Oh, it's just called Lent. <laughs> Okay, next for, right? for, for, for 49 days, you can only eat lentils. Have you? Have I been doing it wrong? I find it's a little bit more than a week. Um, national when that week ends, it's because your lentil runs October is off. also National American Cheese Month. Wow. And no. Cheese Month. American, no, American Cheese. No, no, it's not just American Cheese, is it? Oh, it's not? I no, National American Cheese Month. Oh, well, is it you? Or is, is, it, that, is okay. that National Cheese Month? No, no, it's, it's American America. Cheese Month. It's exactly. Okay, wait. Yeah, of American Cheese. Is uh, it national and American would be redundant. American cheese, or is it oh, cheese yeah. made in America? No, it's like... It's not, like, global. Yeah. It is the American cheese. So, like, as opposed to cheddar, or, like, Gouda. Like, what American feta, and American? Or, like, it's, like, American. Yeah. It, is, it is interesting to well, think. I recently stopped putting so much cheese in my omelets in the morning because apparently eggs and cheese in too much excess Bruh. in the morning is not good excess. for your digestion. Too much, like, protein. So, have you been getting the runs, Julian? I haven't even, it doesn't give you the runs. It just like gives you the the walks. It just it doesn't give you the runs. It, it kind of messes with your. Um, I'll give you the runs with your energy levels. If you have a big lunch, that's bad. Apparently. Yeah. Oh After, yeah. Uh, uh, egg and cheese breakfast. Eating. Try to go low. <laughs> that's the lesson I've learned. And National Squirrel Awareness Month, which is different from Squirrel Appreciation Day in January. I don't appreciate aware of them now. I'm aw- the squirrels are gone in January. They're fucking hibernating. Yeah, that's why you so appreciate them, them before they're gone. Okay. Them. Yeah, it's like right before they come back, and you're like, yeah, I miss those little fellows. I can't wait for them. To <laughs> and then it's spring. It's like National Fuck the Squirrels Month because they're back. Over February is Awareness Day. Groundhog Day, but February first is Groundhog Appreciation Day. You just well, gotta think about, damn. I just can't wait for those groundhogs to come back. They want us to be aware of the squirrels now, so that we also notice when they're squirrels gone. now. So that when they when they all suddenly go into hibernation, we're gonna be like, "Where'd they go? Where are they? Where are they hiding? How many more days are there in this uh, month?" Just this, uh, Julian. National Dental Hygiene Month. Quick, in ten words or less, tell us an important dental hygiene factoid. But you can't use the word floss or the or the <laughs> <laughs> teeth. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, <laughs> Three. Teeth. <laughs> Four. <laughs> uh, brush. Um, Good. Seven. If Eight. you... Nine. Kitty. How's that for your fucking dental hygiene? You son of a bitch. Oh, uh, brush them if you dirty. <laughs> Happy Halloween. Ryan, I think you forgot the most important day in October. Oh. Halloween. Oh, National, National Halloween, Halloween Appreciation Month. Oh, it yeah. is national. <laughs> it's actually International <laughs> Halloween Month. Thank you. Do Wait, other countries... I mean, I'm is, sure... Is November 1st Halloween, Halloween Appreciation Day? I think so, yeah. yeah. What? November 1st is just yeah. Halloween Appreciation Day? Yes. <laughs> I miss Halloween. <laughs> Only 364 more days until the good day. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> All right. Lastly, uh, does anybody have recommendations for the people listening? Like a book that you recently read, a movie you watched, The or... Lobster. Okay. I'm currently reading Robert's Rules of Order, 12th edition, <gasps> and it is wonderful. Oh. And I wait, 100% where, why recommend. do you have to? Why do you have to? Because I want to. He wants to. Do you like crop tuna? What? Crop tuna. Call to order whatever. I haven't gotten that far. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Spoiler. 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 
I okay. want to apologize in advance to everybody listening because that was huge. <laughs> <laughs> Any songs that some, or artists that people are listening to? What on repeat? I actually it's just a good one. <laughs> so I've, I've been familiar with the song for a very long time. I've been familiar with know, the WAP. We all know. No, 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 not that song. This song that I'm about to mention. No. Very popular. Ram Ranch. Stop. No! Everybody knows. Everybody loves it. I no, just found out nobody. that there are 359 other versions of the song. Please don't do it. Hun- hundreds no. upon hundreds of versions of. Cowboys no. wanting to suck hard no, cocks. Cowboys away. wanting to get fucked. Yeah. Wow. It's absolutely horrendous. It's amazing. I can't believe that you listen to all the Grant McDonald has blessed us with hundreds hundreds of hours. Grant McDonald is a visionary, blessing us with so many versions of Ram Ranch. I can't believe it. I know what else is a really good song. Eighteen. Shaddy Lay. That's a beautiful that song, a and I could listen to it on repeat for ten hours. I don't know what that song is. Mm-hmm. I'll look it up. It's the one where they say Shadowlay. A lot. A couple times, yeah. um, I would recommend, I just started reading this book um, called The Wind-Up Bird by Haruki uh, Murakami. Okay. It's a Japanese writer. And it's like a trip. It's kind of like, it's it's really cool. Um, I've like only just, I've only just like started it, but the way that he writes is very like, it's like all, I've read like, 40 pages, and it's just this guy who's, like, in his house, because he, like, quit his job, and then he used to go look for his cat, and then he goes on this, like, and then it just starts, like, mind-bending mm. adventure. But it's, like, the way he writes it is really, it's it's really, um, it's, like, introspective. It's really cool. Mm. I mean, it, I, so, I yeah. recommend uh, Ruki Murakami. Right. Cool artist. Really cool artist. Well, I, I didn't get to watch uh, the Studio Ghibli film you guys watched, but I, I'm... I'm feeling like I want to watch some of, oh, this, yeah, some of that good. stuff just because um, I'm using that movie. Yeah, it was Howl's Moving Castle. And it didn't really make sense, <laughs> no. but it was pretty beautifully animated. But, I'll give it well, I will it say, yeah, I think, I think just the, the studio, Studio Ghibli, is like Dubai. what I'm feeling, like what I'm craving right now. Honestly, the only takeaway from that movie was like there was a witch who had like five necks. No, she no, had like, a lot. No, no, it wasn't. That movie was more. great. It, and like, it was, it just, that's what it is. It's just a Studio Ghibli movie. Yeah. It was like, because even though, like, the, like it's not like the story was bare bones in any way. It was, like, a little weirdly structured, but it was, you got, like, when you came, you come out of that movie getting something from, yes, the animation, but you, you do, like, from that, from the journey that they go on, you, you get something, too. It's not a typical yeah. story structure. I think that's what throws people out, but yeah, it's I, great. I, yeah, I would, what I said was not accurate. It's not that it didn't make sense. It's more that, like, they just put you into a world. Which is incredible. Like they put you into a super detailed and fleshed out world, mm. and but they because you're explain it though. yeah, they're because they're following a storyline. Yeah. You don't get to explain it. But what's good about it is it leaves a lot up to the imagination. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, like sometimes you just end up being confused. Yeah, the but ending was confusing. That's true, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. But for a majority of the movie, it's more like uh, it's more like uh, uh, an experiment in suspending disbelief, like putting yourself into, like, a totally wacky world where, like, anything's possible, kind of. Well, it also sounds like if you watch it multiple times, you'll pick up on more things and then know what to expect. Yeah, I would say... Yeah, I would say that's probably true. So then you don't have to simultaneously follow a world and a story. I think that it also had, like, a really strong internal logic, though. Like, it's not like I would watch something and be like, what the... Like, that didn't make... Like, I was... There was never a point in that movie where I was like, yeah, this doesn't make sense within the rules of that they've like established. Like the the like half steampunk, half like like like. I mean, it's, if you haven't seen, it, it's hard to describe. Like, you know, it's not set in any time period, but like everything that ha- it was like this. Um, I don't know, I wouldn't bother. Yeah. But it all like made sense and it flowed together, and I think the characters were like a really strong. Yeah. Part. Like the like they they like yeah. what you were saying is they kind of just throw you in and you're like on this journey, and it's a magical like phantom like it's like you just suspend your disbelief and you go on this journey and it like keeps you engaged because it does you know it's got a, like a good it make a good structure and, yeah. Uh, one more topic if you have something, Pat. Did you have anything to bring to the table? Um, Otherwise we can Jesus close it out. I I kind of don't. I'll, I'll turn it more into a recommendation. Because I, I wanted to say about this book that I just started reading, um, it's it's an, well, it's an old book by Richard Dawkins called The Selfish Gene, but more and this is pretty vital to the whole book. It's not called The Selfish Gene; it's called The Selfish Gene. 
needed that emphasis. In case yeah, and, and I, I don't want to get into it really because it's just kind of too complicated. If nobody else has read the book, it's not a very interesting discussion. But what the why it's interesting and why I would recommend people reading it only, even though I've only read two out of I think thirteen chapters, is because it's the idea that all living things are not uh, that evolution isn't about the the living things. You know, we always think of survival of the fittest being what. Those that are fittest survive, but it's not actually them, it's their genes, because since they die, you know, mortality in general, mm-hmm. but it's the genes that are living on, and the genes have a potential to be immortal. And so that's the true unit of natural selection, and everything above the level of a gene is merely a survival machine that the genes build to pro- prolong their own longevity. That's interesting. Is that like, I was not read the book, but it, that like looks, sounds like it treads a little bit dangerously into the territory of personifying genes. It actually is personifying genes. <laughs> and they specifically say that they use that as a mechanism to to convey what is so the genes true science and true scientific thoughts in a science fiction manner for an entertaining digestible read. Oh, and actually reading the preface of the book, there there are three prefaces to the book because it has to so address those kinds of things. The, face, uh, the preface and the pre They're using like personification on these things to make it more digestible. However, they do like elaborate and make sure that anything that they change from scientific jargon to an analogy, they're able to translate back and have it still be accurate. So it is like, there are times, like there are pages where I'm reading it and I'm like, this is too complicated, but then the next page turns it into a metaphor or an an analogy of like a a rowing team. And it's like, oh, each gene is like a team, a member on the rowing team. And the whole boat is a chromosome. And you can have the best gene and they have sh- they're surrounded by shitty genes, and they're going to die out. Mm. But if you end up with the lucky, really good rowing team, the whole chromosome's great. That's the boat that's going to win the race in a sense. So they they're able to like make these digestible anal- analogies and convey that thought. But yeah, I'm only two chapters in, and I'm, it's really like making me think about kind of uh, just all life in general, looking at it in the way that you know all life is has the commonality of DNA. Yes. And so maybe that's what's more important than anything else, and that something like an ant or something might be winning the race against humans. Humans are have, like, consciousness. We know maybe we don't know if other creatures have it, but and humans got like intelligence. We've been to the moon and stuff, but does that matter when we're outnumbered by insects? They've got... The genomic superiority towards us. We could crush insects. So. Yeah. This comes back to yeah. the with Patrick. <laughs> That's, it's like, it's, it's your perspective. Mm. They're beating us. They have more genetic material on the earth is creating ants than it's creating humans. So are they beating us? That's an interesting lens to view. Because, I mean, like, as opposed to, because in that case, they're clearly winning. But in, on the other hand, of... Like, it's like, like, <laughs> <laughs> But, um, like, the, the level to which our you know, our cognitive um, um, processing has evolved to would you know is higher you know we're not beholden to being a part like a more of a cog in a machine I mean in in some senses than like ants are so we have more of that f- more free will to do what we please even if like even if genes are the predominant species on earth in this analogy like we still have more control over what we do versus what an ant does. Then there, where's the value yeah. in that? No, you're that's absolutely a, right. That's a conversation and, now. You know, like I said, I'm only two chapters in, but they've hinted at it in the prefaces. The last couple of chapters are about how we've reached a point where we have enough knowledge about how we're composed. And now, especially today, we have the technology to control our own gene composition. Mm. And we're actually right. We've just crossed the border of now we control all that stuff and not the genes. Mm. And so now we've ascended, we've moved up from the mm. genomic level to our own individual levels. That's what right. And so that's what the last couple of chapters are about, is what it said. Because those chapters were added years later, mm. um, after more oh. information was taken. Mm. So I think that is the, exactly the direction they're going to go with, where it's now it's more of a quality over quantity kind of thing. Yeah. Where we've become so quality of survival machines that we know that we're surviving machines 
and we can make ourselves survive better than mm. ever could happen by chance. That's interesting. In my animal behavior class, I was, like, obviously we've gone over evolution, like, countless times, but this is the first class the professor does in a good way that made me, like, actually look at it on, like, a, a level where I was like, wow, this is actually interesting, and, like, these kinds of questions we're talking about right now are being raised, and I'm thinking of them, and we had this, basically this whole example doesn't really matter, but the point was that I, I, I finally had the realization that, like, wow, like, we as human beings are the first and only fit organism in 4.5 billion years, like, if evolution, this is what it was, because, like, evolution doesn't have a direction. It doesn't have, like, an end goal. And it's too easy to think about it that way when you're, when you're like, new at, like, you know, but, like, 4.5 billion years, whether or not it's the culmination, the apex currently is human beings because we've developed higher thought. And we're the first organism, I mean, known, right, but assumingly, we're the first organism to have recognized and identified the trend of natural selection mm -hmm. because it's been happening for all this time, but no, no one's noticed it before. And like, and, and, and it plays in this interesting idea of like, okay, where do we go from here? Now that, now that we have like, because we have this knowledge and we can look at these things and like, you know, I'd see them for what they are on a, on a larger scale. And, and then how can we control them? Yeah. I think basically I, like you said it, Exactly. And I just realized, like, wow, I just came to the same yeah. And one of the most mind-blowing things that this book brings up is that we are the first species that wants to evolve. Like, we want to fix errors in our genome. We want to eradicate mm -hmm. disease and stuff. Every individual organism that has ever come before us doesn't want to evolve mm -hmm. because they want to persist themselves, like, as mm -hmm. an individual. No or organism was ever, like... I have genetic defects. I'm not genetic. I'm not the one that should be passing yeah, no, on my genes. I'm just going to kill myself to better the species. Like, no organism has ever thought like, like that. But now we as humans, we're like, okay, we recognize genetic illnesses and we want to treat them and fix them so that we don't pass them on to our, like, um, progenies. Mm -hmm. And that is, like, what's really, like, crazy about it mm -hmm. is we, like, we are truly are on the cusp right there yeah i mean i think that kind of goes back to julian's point about like the higher thought process and like cognitive processes that have like just evolved but again like you mentioned um whether like the ant genome just being like potentially superior i think just by the abundance of genes right mm -hmm. so that kind of made me think of like the comparison between like if we're going to go to like neanderthals uh versus like humans like okay or um, different like hominins that have like a smaller brain and then you just basically just looking on the size just being like okay well we're superior because we have bigger brains mm -hmm. so it's like just by looking at like the abundance of genes i don't think you can make the distinction whether or not one is superior over the other which is what julian was saying about like quality over quantity yeah, yeah. you know what's interesting is what defines superiority because ants don't get depressed and, like, the burden of all this knowledge that we have, especially where yeah. our society has progressed to, like, we have, like, some, like somehow all of this stuff, like, e like nothing is good in excess. Oh, we're bringing it all around. like, too much of a, no, there's, there's such thing as too much of a good thing. Yeah. And, like, it mm -hmm. leads to problems that we face that mm -hmm. other, literally, there's no other, I mean, I, maybe there is, but nothing that comes to mind, no other organism. It deals with the kind of problems and debilitating problems that humans do. And it's almost like we're taking advantage, taking for granted what we have been given. This is turned into an intervention for your ant farm, you have ants. You need to you need to fix it. Yeah, they're, they're genetically beating me. <laughs> I think we'll, we'll have Paul wrap it up. up and then well, I, I just had like a completely different point to bring up, but I, I, bring I can up, try to really wrap it up. up. But um, um, yeah, we're 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 pretty much at time. So yeah. say what you want to say. I mean, not I mean, I was I was just gonna say like you were talking about like what distinguishes humans from other species, and the biggest thing that makes us different and what allows us to allowed us to get to the place that we're at now is that we ask why. Um, we've taught, like, um, chimpanzees and gorillas, we've taught them sign language so that they can communicate with us, 
And none of them have ever asked the question, why? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's not wired into their brains, wired. Um, (laughs) And it's it's just, it's what distinguishes humans from everything else. And it's what -hmm. what has allowed us to get to the point that we're at now. So that's interesting because like, because when you can ask that question, when you develop, when you develop to a point where you can have the capacity to want to know, when you don't get an answer back, when you scream it off a cliff or whatever it is, when you ask the universe why, and there's no answer, you figure it out. Yeah, you have to figure it out, and it leaves a lot of people like, because now we're hot wired to like, we need an answer. Like, I need an answer right as to why I have to have one, and you can't have one. You have to. There's no, or you can get one, obviously, and you can make one yourself. But it's it's one of the only questions that someone can't you can't like you can't just ask and receive an answer to. But think, even if you do get an answer, like you still get questions yeah. after that. Like it just precipitates yeah. more questions. So it's and like it's you're not never a satisfied. Question. And the and the consistent like cyclical nature of that behavior in humans is might be what is causing a lot of those you know mental right like exactly. cognitive dysfunctions because you're constantly trying to search for an answer to something else to. That's where we get, like, existentialism and all the schools of thought. Mm -hmm. But the real question is, why are people still listening to this? That's what I want to know. Chimpanzees aren't asking why they're still listening (laughs) to this. They checked out the long ass That's our base, baby. That's That's our bread and butter. Our our core demographic is monkeys and apes. 70% of our listening audience is zookeepers. Blast visceral blast figures <laughs> at a zoo to, to, to placate the apes. Yes. Like the animals hear the crack at the beginning, they're like, oh, 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 oh. they start freaking out. They're like, yes! <laughs> oh, good shit. I have to pee so bad. Alrighty, we're gonna we're gonna end it here. Um, so if you have too many shirts, throw them out. If you have teeth, floss them. If, if you have jeans, if you have Star Trek DVDs, watch them. If you like Star Wars more than Star Trek, you're an idiot. If you don't have teeth, if you don't have teeth, teeth, don't worry, they're overrated. There are too many of them. And if so, you uh, die, tell us what happens. <laughs> why? Tell us why. All right. Uh, until next time. See ya, assholes. See ya, assholes. See ya, assholes.